You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Years to go. Demeter. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Takes the snap. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And I just want to say that today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Um, they were birthed out of the burden to help those in our community and congregations who've come out of a difficult past and an addictive lifestyle. Uh, we just gave away an autographed Quay Walker jersey. We're now giving away a uh, autographed Paul Hornick jersey. Now, if you want to enter yourself into that contest, just go to my Twitter account at Packers underscore access. You will see a tweet pinned at the top of the page. Just retweet that tweet and follow the account. That gets you entered into the contest one time. And if you'd like to enter yourself uh, multiple times after that, you'll notice there's another uh, tweet that's attached to that tweet that has a link in it to where you can donate to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. For every $5 that's donated, that'll enter you into the contest one additional time. There's no limit on how many times you can enter yourself and you're donating to a good cause. Understand, too, you'll also get uh, a receipt for the donation so you can write it off on your taxes as a uh, charitable gift, that type of thing. So um, it's just kind of a win-win. We want to uh, help out that ministry and also uh, giving away an autographed jersey from pristineauction.com. Again, autographed by the great Paul Horning is going to be this one that we're giving away. And um, yeah, that's something that I paid out of pocket for. So there's no strings attached there. It was just a, a nice little way to, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it, basically me front some money to give a product that other people can, you know, donate to a great cause and enter themselves into a contest to win that piece of memorabilia, but also just kind of, uh, you know, give everybody an opportunity to give back. That was the goal there. So appreciate everything that Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry does. Guys, Reason one of the reasons I got excited about partnering with that, that ministry, and, and there's a lot of things that I donate to, um, you know, I've been blessed my entire life with just awesome opportunities. It's It definitely has nothing to do with me. Um, I'm a knucklehead, right? It's nothing I've done special, but uh, things have been just put, people have been put in my life over the years to kind of steer me in the right direction to, you know, for someone that's kind of come from a, I don't like to say difficult or rough background simply because it makes me out to be a victim. And I think victim mentality is what really holds people back. Um, but I've just been blessed with awesome people that have kind of, they weren't, they weren't there to give me a handout like, you know, the government and so many people try to do nowadays. I feel like handouts make people weak, but I do feel like people need help. 
and it was just enough to steer me in the right direction. And uh, and I know one thing I always said was if I ever get in a position to where I'm, you know, fortunate enough or blessed enough that I can give back to other people that that might be struggling, you know, like, you know, someone that kind of connects with uh, my upbringing, you know, seeing a mom working her tail off trying to trying to provide for her family and was dealt a crappy hand. You know, parents died. Mom died when she was real young. She got pregnant at the age of 16, um, chose to keep the baby. And that was my older brother. And her dad was an alcoholic. She had to take care of her dad, moved him in, just went through so many things. And I remember as a kid, as I came along years later, we were still struggling and just thinking, man, you know, why, why isn't anyone trying to help us? You know, and, and I'll be honest with you. I was mad at the church crowd because I'm watching them go in with their nice crisp suits, even in a small town in Kentucky that I grew up in carrying their Bibles and, you know, acting all holy and everything. And God bless you and calling each other brother and sister. And, and then, you know, we'd see them out on the street somewhere, you know, out in, in town. And it was like, look at these people, they're below us. Right. And it, it put a sour taste in my mouth. So um, I grew up kind of hating the church and hating, hating, you know, uh, you know, different causes, if you will, different types of people. And it, it really it uh, put me in an awkward place to where as I got older, I realized, you know what, that's that's not everybody. And I came across a couple people that that just showed me, you know, kind of that grace. And, hey, look, man, you matter and you can be anything you want to be if you're willing to work for it. Um, stop trying to play a victim. And at the age of 18, I learned that. Thank God. So um, with that being said. What I like about Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry is they roll their sleeves up and help people get back on track. You know, like it says, people that come out of a difficult past or an addictive lifestyle, that would apply to my entire family, uh, me at one time as a young guy. So um, I like people that do that type of stuff. So it's it's cool to get partnered up with someone like that and just try to make a difference in this uh, crazy little world. So with that being said, let's get on to the show. And guys, we're going to attack some emails today. And I'm kind of excited about it because I've been neglecting emails for a while. I respond to every one of them. Don't think I just let them sit there, okay? I respond. I try to respond immediately. And if it's something that I can kind of, you know, put into the show and it provides some good content, I will. Um, if it's one, you know, most of the emails are just people that are reaching out to the show and just having a conversation. You know, more or less it's a text thread with with listeners. And I enjoy it more than you guys and gals know. It's It's been awesome. So um, let's get to the first one. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so I had to go rapid fire here, and it's it's going to be a power pack show. You're going to get a lot of a lot of different things, including um, you know Aaron Rodgers contract talk. Uh, you you're going to get a lot of different stuff here. I've got some media pulled up, and I'm going to try to hit this one really full time, okay, and uh, and kind of run through all the info so you come away with a little bit better understanding. And and I want to preface everything with guys, I don't have all the answers. Okay, I do not work for an NFL front office, right? I'm not going to sit on Twitter or out here on a podcast and claim that I'm a salary cap expert like some people do. So what I'm going to bring are the facts from the people who are closest to the organization and closest to the situation, whether it be a friend of Aaron Rodgers, uh, a super agent in the NFL, a former Green Bay Packers executive, or Ian Rappaport, the NFL insider that works for the league hand-in-hand hand with each individual team, providing news that the that the team once leaked out or the agency once leaked out. That's essentially the game we're playing here, okay? A lot of people like to look at Ian and other insiders like they're just behind the scenes combing through and trying to find every little nook and cranny and, and try to drum up drama. There's a lot of reporters that do that, but not the ones that work for the league or else they'd be unemployed, 
right? So it's important to mention that stuff. So let's get to the first email. This comes in from uh, Jonas. Now, here's the thing. It says Jonas, either Jonas Gable or Jonas Gabel. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, the first and last name's mixed. The reason I say it's my email is, you know, I've got a personal email and it's Bailey Clayton with some digits that, uh, you know, that that's my email. So I don't know if it's the first or last name that's coming first here. So I'm going to refer to him as Jonas. Jonas, if that's not correct, I apologize. It says, hello, sorry this turned into a mini essay. First, I love the show. You're a great podcaster. I enjoy a lot of your insights and Chalk Talk segments. Second, although it, this is critical of Rogers, I am by no means a Rogers hater. Let me stop right there. This is what bothers me the most about everything. You you have to be in one camp or the other. You can't be a Packer fan that likes Aaron Rodgers but disagrees with some of the stuff he does. You can't be um, a Packer fan that absolutely hates what he does, right, but still wants him to do good. It's like you've got to choose a side, and this is Brett Favre all over again. And I know he's a sensitive subject right now, and rightfully so. If the allegations against him are true, all that memorabilia will be coming off the wall, right? But I'm a person that believes in, hey, look, we should let the justice system work itself out and you make your own opinion at the end of the day. Um, that's a that's a tough thing to even dive into. And I'm not even going to touch it because it's very sensitive. And coming from someone, me, who if it hadn't been for welfare, I would have been screwed. Our family, I don't know what we would have done. I'm just being 100 percent honest. So when you hear the allegations against Brett Favre, it's like, oh, boy, that's uh, a. <laughs> That's tough. If that stuff is true and he's not being painted as, as this villain, um, you know, illegitimately, then, uh, yeah, I'm done with him. I'll just be honest. Appreciate everything he did on the football field, but I can't, you know, it's tough, man, because he's one of those guys that was like a hero, right? And uh, I won't get into all the details of the bad stuff he done even before this allegation, right? That kind of made me go, oh, I don't know about this dude. But it's tough, man, because you don't want to take away what people have done on the field. But at the same time, come on, man, we, we all got to stand for something. Now, what I don't stand for is this cancel culture that it's just all right. Uh, you know, a certain select group of people believe this way. So let's all pile on. I witnessed that firsthand here recently, and that was hilarious. Luckily, I had some awesome people on Twitter and people emailing me, people uh, direct messaging me going, hey, dude, just just ignore it. And, um, yeah, I feel like we put the fire out as much as we could. But, man, it was just – I witnessed that firsthand, and I'm like, wow, that is that is a very, very strong weapon to use against people. And uh, luckily, uh, you know, honesty prevails, right, in all cases, in my opinion. You know, you got to do is present the facts, and if people don't like the facts, then just move on, right? So um, I didn't plan on getting into a Brett Favre talk here, but I think anytime his name's mentioned, people go, oh, you still support him or – Oh, yeah, so you're hating on him too? No, I'm trying to approach this from a standpoint of – from a fan standpoint, a big Brett Favre fan as, wow, man, I, I hope these hope these things aren't true, you know. So, yeah, with that being said, um, you've, you've got to choose one camp or the other, and it, it kind of goes back to Brett and how – that's how it was when Rodgers came along. Like you couldn't just – you couldn't just be a Packer fan and go, man, I appreciate both of them. You had to choose one side or the other. And, and ironically um, – I, I, I sided with the Packers, and I didn't know what Aaron Rodgers was, right? And this is a much different situation with Aaron Rodgers. It's not like, you know, when Brett Favre decided to leave, and I word it that way specifically, guys, because he did everything he could to get out of Green Bay. And anyone who doesn't see it that way, then you're just you're, – you're trying to paint a different narrative. Like, 
there's an, a documentary I want you guys to Google. I hope it's still up because it's not on YouTube and you got to go to the website to find it. But it's called Last Day at Lambeau. And it goes into great detail. When I watched that documentary, that's when it sealed it for me that, yeah, this was on Brett. This wasn't on the organization. When they released the timeline of how he went back and forth, back and forth over a three-month span, and the Packers did everything to cater to him coming back, and he still was just – I mean, it was it was literally like he was playing with the franchise to try to get them to uh, to release him or trade him. And then when it, when they finally bucked up and said, all right, look, Aaron's the quarterback, he changed his tune, right? I sided with the organization. Now, this whole thing with Aaron, they're trying to paint it in the same light, and it's just not the case. You know, people forget that they begged Aaron to come back. We'll get into that here in a minute. But um, let's see here. Where was I at here? Okay, yeah. I uh, love the show, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I am by no means a Rodgers hater. I've backed him since 08 through all the post-far of controversy. I actually reshuffled a lot of my Packers media consumption because of how the content producers just lapped up the Tyler Dunn article back in 2018. I had to do the same thing. And I felt it was unfair to Rodgers. I don't hold the vaccine ker- kerfuffle against him. Neither do I. Um, I am not in the trade Rodgers camp or the bench Rodgers camp. Okay, Um, you make a lot of references of of Rodgers quality of play. I agree. He's still an above average quarterback. I actually personally think he's a top 10 quarterback. And I think the injuries are, you know, I don't want you you guys to think I just think he's an above average uh, above average football player. Uh, It sounds like Jonas does. And I respectfully, you know, understand his uh, his opinion for sure. Um, And we can hopefully attribute a number of his bad throws to the thumb being injured. Also the ribs now, of course, which sucks when there's built in excuses and Aaron's not the one making the excuses. It's just in the back of every Packer fan's mind. It's would he still be playing at an MVP level if he didn't have these injuries or was this the drop off? Cause we truly don't know. Right. And that's, it's what's funny is everybody calls me a rod. Not everybody. I shouldn't say that. There are a small group of people that like to come at me. Oh, you just, and they'll use derogatory terms. And what's crazy is they'll use the same derogatory terms with people who are gushing over Jordan Love. Jordan Love had a great game. What's there not to be happy about here? You've got two guys that are proven – not proven. you got two guys that you think can be a quality quarterback, right, at the most important position in the entire National Football League, and we're mad about it? Like, this is a great thing. This is a great thing. I don't understand how it turns into a negative. But, uh, yeah. My question is, what effect is Rodgers having on the locker room? We've seen teams with Rodgers at quarterback fall apart this season after season after season. Be it to the Seahawks, the 49ers, or the Buccaneers, we've had completely different rosters. Okay, let me pause here a minute. The Seahawks, he's referring to the playoff game, I would imagine. Guys, it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault that we didn't re- that we didn't recover that onside kick. It's not Aaron Rodgers' fault that Ha Ha Clinton Dix, though I believe it was either him or Morgan Burnett, laid on the ground on that interception return when it's in, in in all honesty, they should have tried to score, right? There's a lot of things that happened in that game that wasn't Aaron Rodgers' fault. So we can't we can't just say it's an Aaron Rodgers-led team when it's bad, and then when the team does good, it's okay, well, the Packers are a solid team. Like I, I feel like that's kind of what we're into right now. Um, I think we're all understanding now that Rodgers and Devontae Adams kind of did their own thing last year with, uh, with the RPOs and the choice routes, the option routes, and now without Devontae and Aaron doesn't have someone who can do that, um, you're kind of seeing this come back full circle. And we just like to, you know, put it on. Like last year, it was I was as guilty as anyone. LaFleur is the man. You kidding me? I mean, he's on pace to be the, the greatest coach in NFL history. And everybody's just saying it's Aaron Rodgers. It ain't just Aaron Rodgers. 
I love this offense. I love what he implemented. The first two years is when I seen his offense personally. Like, not when I seen his offense. Let me reword it. It's the first two years is when I seen Aaron hanging on to McCarthy's offense, and you kept seeing LaFleur trying to nudge him in the direction of, hey, look, let's let's add a little bit more of this, a little bit more of this. And to me, the answer was Aaron in the old system with LaFleur's new system being meshed together was excellent because nobody had a blueprint on it. Nobody did. Nobody could come in and go, okay, here's exactly what they're going to do because they might revert back to McCarthy. They might revert back to LaFleur. I personally feel like we're now getting into LaFleur's offense and you're seeing it struggle. It's not that LaFleur's offense is a bad offense. It's just the NFL is cyclical. And these things come and go, right? And defenses adjust. And they have adjusted to the RPO aspect. Therefore, we shift away from the RPO aspect. You see the offense start to catch a little bit fire. But to pretend like it's as cut and dry as this isn't LaFleur's offense or this is LaFleur's offense is just silly. That's not that's not how things are operating. Um, so he's talking about the locker room. He said, we've seen the same issues with skilled teams just shattering at the worst. Well, let me go back to the teams right here. Seahawks disagree. 49ers, if you're referring to the Kaepernick game, I'm sorry, that wasn't Aaron Rodgers, right? Now, if you're referring to the 49ers game a couple of years ago, Absolutely, the offense struggled, and mainly because of Aaron Rodgers. Last year in the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers not going through his reads. That's what i seen with the offense personally. Now, granted, it's easy for me to say that on my warm, comfy couch when it's, you know, colder than a well digger's booty on uh, on the field. You know, it's easy for me to just say, oh, well, it's just as simple as him not running the offense, right? So, Or the Buccaneers, he said. The Buccaneers game. Are we going to blame Kevin King giving up a pretty much a, a Hail Mary right before halftime? And b- completely blowing his coverage. Are we gonna are we gonna put that on Kevin? Or are we gonna put that on Aaron Rodgers because Kevin King blew that coverage, right? So it, it's not as simple as one player. It's the most important position. I understand why it gets kind of pushed in that direction, but um, it's not as simple as one player. All right. So uh, let's see here. Uh, we've uh, we've seen the same issues with skilled teams just shattering at the worst times. We've changed uh, every variable we can except for the quarterback. I disagree with that. Now, we did we did go from another coaching staff to this one. Got it. But it seemed to be the right move, right? I mean, we won 13 games three years in a row. And and I can understand because it's like from, from Jonas' standpoint, you're looking and going, well, you know, the, the one constant is Aaron Rodgers, right? The one constant is Aaron Rodgers. And that that is very, very true, you know? So I can understand how you feel that way. I disagree respectfully, but I understand what he's saying here. Um he certainly gives interesting interviews <laughs> that I could see teammates taking issue with. He's talked about feeling like an out-of-place old guy in the locker room. It was one thing when he was fighting for the top quarterback spot with Brady every year. You could tolerate some uh, maybe suboptimal, um, suboptimal behind-the-scenes behavior, but his on his on-the-field play was enough to offset that. This season, his on his on-field play has declined, maybe all because of the thump and might not be able to offset his leadership style anymore. I understand he said all, maybe all because of the thumb. That wasn't me just implementing that. That's what he said. If Roger's thumb is so bad, wouldn't it be better for the team if he said, I need to let this heal. I'm not playing like the MVP and allow us to see what we have in love. I doubt love would would have won us more games with how this season is going. We need to, we need to plan, and we need to know if we should be signing love or eyeballing another high-end quarterback in the next couple of drafts. All that said, Rodgers has given enough to the fans and the team over the years that I'm willing to wait through another season, though I doubt we'll have a better record for 
for his sake, I wish he would have retired after the back-to-back MVPs and going out on a high note since at, at this point it looks like the Super Bowl window is pretty firmly locked shut. Keep up the great work. Jonas, great episode – or great uh, episode. Shoot, great email, man. Really appreciate your time. It's tough because I'm just going to cut through the BS and tell you what I think the issue is with what we what he just kind of outlined here. Not necessarily an issue with him, but just the issue in general. Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback that basically said, told the Packers, and this is just cutting through the, the BS, I'm, I don't want to play more than three years. That's essentially what was said. I don't want to play more than three years. I'm, I'm almost 100% positive that's what he said to the organization, and that's why they structured the contract in a way. And they said, so you're guaranteeing you'll play three years? And he's, no, 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 no. I might just play one year, but it definitely won't be longer than three. Now we're understanding why the contract took so long to get done because Aaron's kind of laying out this timeline to him, right? Now let's go back to Favre. The organization, basically, when they were done with Favre, they were done with Favre, right? And they caught heat for it. They caught, for lack of a better word, hell for it, right? And it ended up being the right move. And Clayton, not just a podcaster, but the Packer fan, I want what's best for the organization. If you can tell me right now, Jordan Love is is a starting quality, a quality starting quarterback. What I mean by that is a top 10 quarterback. To me, that's a quality starter, top 10 QB. Is Jordan Love a QB that's that can finish in the top 10, right? As far as PFF grade, statistics, for me, it's about PFF grade and statistics lining up with what I see on the field, with what I see on the tape, right? So with a non-biased approach. If you can tell me Jordan Love's a top 10 quarterback, I don't care what you do with Aaron Rodgers because it's Packers first. Now, I hate it for him because he's gave so much to the organization, right? Now, if there's a way to work around that, that's what I'm all for, guys. That's what I'm all about. If if you can work around and, and bridge the gap to, to Jordan Love, which to me seems to be what the Packers are trying to do, right? They're trying to give Aaron the respect that he deserves for what he's done for this organization, right? And bridge the gap to Jordan Love if, if indeed he's the guy. That's the big question. Do the Packers think Jordan loves the guy? And we're about to find out, and I'm going to tell you why. I don't personally see how the fifth-year option can work. I don't, unless Aaron retires. If Aaron retires, the fifth-year option can definitely be in play, right? If Aaron decides to come back next year, it's going to have to be a contract extension. If they do not do that for Jordan Love, then that tells me that the organization thinks Jordan Love isn't the guy. I personally think they think he's the guy, and that's why I believe you and this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but this is you got to look at it from this perspective. This is this is my from a business standpoint and roster structure standpoint. I look at this from a sense of okay, if Jordan Love is the guy, they either think he is or he isn't, right? If he is the guy, why do you want him on the field? Why do you want him on the field right now when you have committed to Aaron for three years? Think about it. If you if you try to rush that along now, there are so many cap penalties in the Aaron Rodgers contract. There was one option for the Green Bay Packers. They said, yeah, we'll commit for three years. And you if you want to retire after one, then we get a chunk of that money back. If you want to retire after year number two, we get a chunk of that money back, right? Worst case scenario for the Packers is if he plays into the third year because that cap hit does become pretty big, right? And we'll talk about that here in a second. But for me, it's okay – I don't want Jordan Love on the field, if at all possible. Now, if you plan on trading him and you want to improve his stock, that's great. But how are you going to improve his stock when we're talked about all year long, this roster isn't as strong as it was last year? You're setting him up to fail. You're setting him up to lower the value of your stock that you're looking to trade, right? Well, if you try to rush him into the starting position, well, now 
it becomes, what if he is better than Aaron Rodgers? Now, I would want to know that sooner than later, yes. But if he is better than Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers has us hostage. You understand what I'm saying? Like, And understand, this isn't a shot at Aaron Rodgers. If anything, it's a shot at the organization. Guys, we have got to stop blaming, blaming Aaron Rodgers for everything. The, this organization begged him to come back. Mark Murphy stood at the uh, at the freaking owners meeting and talked about everything that Aaron's done great for this team and he means so much to the organization and blah blah blah. You didn't hear about that, did you? I watched it online. I know what Murphy said. All you heard was the little comment where he supposedly or where he did say Aaron's an interesting fellow or Aaron's a difficult person. That's what Ted Thompson told him. Guys, every great athlete in the history of the game has been a different difficult person. Like you, Michael Jordan. Isn't it funny? Nobody talks about how Michael Jordan held that place hostage. He basically said, you're going to have the coach I want, you're going to have the players I want, or I'm leaving, period. Like, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about how Tom Brady held the Patriots hostage. Guys, Tom Brady gave the Patriots an ultimatum, made them trade Jimmy G, who was their prized possession. They thought, we found the quarterback that's going to replace Tom Brady when he's ready to retire. He got so upset, he made them trade him, and then one year later he left and left the Patriots with $15 million in cap hell for that one year, which is why the Patriots had a down year, had to back up and punt. I know it's not a Patriots podcast, but there's a huge parallel to be drawn here. So do you want do you want to be the Patriots? Do you want to do what the Patriots did? Because what they did was let Brady walk, in our case, trade Aaron Rodgers. If Jordan Love isn't the guy, then you're left without a quarterback. Then you've got to replace him with a rookie. Now you've got the rookie growing pains. Now you got to implement a new offensive system because we know there is no – it just, I mean, it's so quick that a coaching staff can be ran out of town. Now you've got to learn a new system. That's why the whole Joe Barry thing, I'm going, hold up, we need to pump the brakes here a little bit. If we're talking about completely changing the system, guys, you're going to have a three-year window where it's rebuilding again. Guys are getting reacclimated to a system, right? All these things come into play, and I think it's important to mention. But we got to stop blaming Aaron Rodgers for what the organization did. Mark Murphy said he wanted him back. Brian Gudikin said he wanted him back. Matt LaFleur looked like he was going to cry on the podium. And I played it, I think, on this podcast. I think I played it on – I shared it on Twitter. Where he said, I want him back in the worst way. Like, they begged him to come back. What was he saying two years ago? Why don't you just trade me? I don't want to be a lame duck quarterback. There's no sense in having me go out there with less of a roster and and me with no contract, uh, you know, security. And what did the Packers do? They begged him to come back, and they restructured it where he has control over three years. I'm not saying he isn't tradable. And there's a lot of things that can be renegotiated, restructured, and redone. You know, some people like to pretend like you can't just tear up the contract. There's a lot of things that the Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers could do. I, you never say never except never, right? Ain't that what Mike Tomlin said? So, yes, he could be traded. Absolutely, he could. I think it's highly, highly, highly unlikely. But again, what is the goal here? The goal is for the future of the Packers to have the best possible talent at the quarterback position. Okay. If you know that's Jordan Love, extend him. What I mean by that, and somebody told me you can't do that. They ain't got the cap room. BS. Listen to me. If Aaron comes out and says, hey, look, I'm going to retire after next year, right? Well, Jordan Love has one more year left on his contract. You got to make a decision this offseason on the fifth year option. The fifth year option is going to be 20 million guaranteed that can't be maneuvered. If it cannot be maneuvered, yes, that is not an option. But you start working on a contract extension right now if indeed you think he is the guy for the future. And somebody said, well, there's no way. There'll be $80 million in cap space next year. Wrong. Aaron Rodgers' cap hit next year is $31 million. 
with his contract being 31 million, his his cat isn't it funny? 28 million this year, 31 million next year. Like, I don't even want to get back into it, although we're gonna have to here in a second. I'm gonna play some media for you. But um trying to remember where I was. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers comes out next year. He's 31 million against the cap. You extend Jordan Love, guys. That hit doesn't doesn't take place till 2024. So if Aaron Rodgers retires after next year and you free up roughly $15 million or whatever the number is, I know if he retires after this year, let me go ahead and read this real quick while I've got it, while we're on the topic. I'm going to read this uh, detail in his contract. That This is kind of a guesstimate, guys. Understand, nobody knows. I'm going to play that for you here in a second. If Rodgers were to walk away, we would forfeit all the rights to his $59.4 million in guarantee. Okay, let me fast forward ahead here. Rodgers would sign a new contract where the option bonus was eliminated and just $1.1 million remained. That would reduce Rodgers' salary cap charge to $16.9 million, and they would carry him on the roster as a procedural move until June 2nd. At that point, they would put him on the retired list. The salary cap charge in that case would be $15 million uh, this year and $24 million next year. So let's say you sign Jordan Love to a contract extension. It does not hit in 2023. It'll hit in 2024. In 2024, then you're free off the books of Aaron Rodgers for the most part because I'm going to play something here in a second that explains what they would do in that regard, okay? So we're going to get into it in a second, but again, I just wanted to talk about this email. Do I think Rodgers is a distraction in the locker room? I personally don't. I, when you here's, here's how you know. Who has said he's a distraction? The media, okay. Who did the media quote that he's a distraction? Unnamed sources. Get away from me with that crap. It's just like with the Tyler Dunn article or whoever it was that wrote that article. I can't remember the name he mentioned here. Yeah, Tyler Dunn. Guys, every great athlete has been an issue at some point or another, right? It, there's something about ego that is just, you know, with the greatest of the great, they have that competitive spirit. Just like Aaron saying, I want to be out there with my guys. I want to be out there with my guys. Do you think his teammates are sitting there going, I don't want him out there with us? If you've ever been on a team, I have never in my life looked up and thought the best player on our team, granted, he's playing hurt. First of all, if if a captain on one of the teams that I played on that we knew that when he's healthy, he's the best on this team, and he has carried this organization for so long. He's carried this team for four years, however long you've been on that team. And then I see him come out, and he's banged up. His ribs are banged up. His thumb's messed up. We're already having a down season. And he says, I just want to be out there with my guys. I want to go to battle with my guys. There ain't a person in that locker room that's going, I can't believe him. He's selfish. And the organization, darn sure, are, if they think Jordan loves the guy, they're appreciating the fact that Aaron Rodgers is wanting to start. Because if Jordan Love goes out there and lights it up for the next four weeks, good luck this offseason because you're going to have a mess on your hands. I think the right move is, you've based off what you've seen, the organization has got to decide right now, are we extending him or not? If you're extending him, then you offer him the contract extension. You average it out at roughly 20 to $25 million per year because he has no starting experience. You're, you're basically buying at, at the bottom dollar with Jordan Love. And, and one guy even said he wouldn't take $20 million per year. Okay, so you're telling me that if they offered him a contract for five years and they offered him $100 million guaranteed, Let's say it's just three years, and they offered him $60 million guaranteed over the next three years. Let's say it's fully guaranteed. Let's get stupid with it. $60 million fully guaranteed, $20 million per starting in 2024. You're telling me that he would rather have the fifth-year option at $20 million than to get $60 million in his pocket, bam, 
60 million guaranteed. They can't take it away in a, in a three-year structure to where you've got time now to prove your worth. And when you get into the last year of the contract, you can make top quarterback money. You're telling me he wouldn't, he would rather play for 20 million guaranteed on one year and then have to face a franchise tag, possibly. That's silly, guys. It's silly. That's why Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens have Lamar Jackson really hemmed up. This Deshaun Watson contract is what screwed everything up because people like to point out Aaron Rodgers' contract details. Look at Deshaun Watson. Like, it is fully, fully, fully guaranteed unless he does something stupid off the field moving forward, right? So, all right, let's move on to the next email here. First of all, thank you, Jonas. That was a great, great email there, man. Um, He said, why not let him sit and heal? I think that's the reason right there. He wants to play. What's he want to do and what's best for the team? He wants to play. Got it. What's best for the team? I think it's best for the team once they're eliminated. Is If Aaron wants to play, let him play. Because if Jordan Love goes out there and lights it up, now you've got a quarterback controversy on your hands this coming offseason. Like if, and again, everything's prefaced with, if you're telling me Jordan Love healthy and Aaron Rodgers healthy, Jordan Love is the better quarterback, then yes, whatever you got to do, let's get Aaron out of here and let's move forward with Jordan Love. But there ain't a person on the face of the earth that can tell me Jordan Love is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. I wish they could. I hope that's the case, and it may be the case. That's what's exciting. So, again, why are we being negative? Why are we so quick to try to push him out the door? Why are we trying to do all these things when we have a great – like we have an all-time quarterback – if he is declining, he's still a top 10 quarterback when he's healthy. And we got a guy that might potentially be a top 10 quarterback right now, too. Like, this is a good thing, guys. A very good thing. Now, what I, what scares me, what I don't like, is the thought that you go out there and play Jordan Love, right? And he is a great quarterback. And then you trade him and flip him for picks. Aaron walks away in two years, and now you're left without a quarterback. I don't like that move. That's why I'm more on the side of if Aaron wants to play, let him play. You know what I'm saying? So there, uh, what I'm getting at is there's no right or wrong. This is my opinion. It doesn't mean that I'm correct and, and someone else is wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't make my opinion more valuable. That's I am a Packer fan doing a podcast. I'm not a podcaster that's going to sit here and say, I do this for a living. We are not the same. I'll leave it at that. Um, on to the next email. For those of you who know, you know. and We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're probably giggling right now. For those of you who don't, he's like, what's he talking about? And that's okay, too. Chris Nichols, you've mentioned many times that the cap charge is the only thing that matters, not the cash payments. Okay, Chris, I have not said that. Okay, first of all, um, and and please, I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm not trying to be a butt here, but you have never heard me say cap charge is the only thing that matters. As a fan, I have said all I'm concerned with is the cap hit. How does this affect the team that we're putting on the field, right? And he said not the cash payments. That being said, for things to work out accounting-wise, the actual cash payments would need to be accounted for in later years. The reason I ask is that I see Rodgers is due $59.5 million next year in cash, uh, next year with a $31 million cap charge. So the difference of $18.5 would need to be accounted for in later years with a question mark. Thank you for clarification. I've been trying to get my arms around exactly how this stuff works. Great t- content as always. Here's my answer to that, Chris. Um, first of all, I didn't say that cash doesn't matter. Of course, cash matters. It does. Cash over cap. Cash is exactly what it sounds like. It's money in hand, right? Cap is how you account for that cash, okay? So cash over cap, what they're, what teams are doing is, hey, look, we're going to guarantee you a boatload of money, right? And we're going to do that over um, in conjunction with the cap charge, and then we'll extend it out over years, right, over a certain amount of years. Essentially, we'll spread that hit out over five, six years, whatever it is, okay? Um, but I've never said that cash doesn't matter, and – you may not have even meant it that way, and it's okay. If you thought I said that, that's okay. You can believe that too. Um, we can agree to disagree, and it's totally cool, man. Um, but I too am trying to get my arms around this uh, this whole thing, Chris. Like, again, I'm going to preface it with, guys, I'm not coming from a standpoint of, listen, people, this is how it really is. You piece everything together with the information you have. Here's how I responded to his email. I said, hey, Chris, hope you're doing well, buddy. To answer your question from a generic standpoint, yes, that is correct. However, as Andrew Brant and Mark Rogers, Russell Wilson's agent, pointed out, no one other than David Dunn, Aaron's agent, Russ Ball, and Goody know the options aspect of Aaron's contract, meaning if and when Aaron retires, he will forfeit a large sum of the contract while allowing the Packers to restructure and push the remaining out. For example, one theory is that if Aaron retires – this year, he would forfeit all the rights to the $59.4 million in, guarantee, in quote, guaranteed salary. Funny, it's guaranteed salary, but he's going to forfeit the rights if he retires. Funny how it's referred to as guaranteed, right? LOL. Next year. If we rewind to Rap Sheet, originally reporting the contract he referred to as, quote, very creative by both sides to give three years of security while also allowing the Packers to absorb minimal cap hit when he retires. Not a minimum cap hit, but minimal. Take, okay, the the best case scenario, how can we spread this out to where it doesn't affect our cap? Again, as a fan, that's all I care about. I don't care how much money gets put in Rodgers' pocket. I don't, guys. I'm not petty like that. I'm not petty. He doesn't deserve that $50 million. Why, Why do I care? Like, we live in a society where everybody's so quick to spend everybody else's money. And I always like to flip it back around and go, what are you doing to help? 
lay your resume out here. What have you done to make the world a better place? Oh, you ain't done nothing but sit on Twitter and complain. Got it. All right, moving on to the next guy. So essentially guaranteeing Aaron can play three more years per his request unless he decides to retire sooner. As speculated lately, the Packers and Rodgers would sign a new contract where the option bonus would completely would be completely eliminated and just $1.1 million in salary remain, meaning Aaron's cap hit in 2023 would be $15.8 million along with 24.8 or 24.4 in 2024. Again, this is still me talking. Again, this is all a guesstimate because only Aaron's camp and Packers front office know the full details of the options aspect of the contract. Anyone else, including me, that says they know the exact contract is lying. And all you have to do is ask them, are you 100% sure about that? They never say yes and change the conversation back to the $50 million a year narrative. There will be a cap absorption when Aaron retires, but not at the doom and gloom level uh, some like to constantly talk about. I hope this helps, Chris. So, and he responded, we had a great conversation back and forth. I love when emailers challenge, any any listener challenges my stance on stuff. Because like I told Dusty Evely on Twitter, and he was posting about this because it's crazy. We're all getting the same hate tweets. We're, like, not that me and Dusty are on the different side. A good example is me and me and Ryan. You know, Ryan, is, Ryan has definitely been more critical of Aaron than I have, right? And that's totally cool. But what's crazy is he's getting the same hateful content thrown at him as I'm getting thrown at me. So we're catching it from both sides. Guys, you don't learn anything unless you disagree from time to time. Like just sitting in your little echo chamber and running your same tweet thread, which Ryan tweeted out the other day, cracked me up, man. It was something along the lines of, uh, okay, I see that, you know, there's there's one topic that's being complained about today on Twitter. I guess we're going to we're going to all argue and be upset about the same exact thing we were yesterday. Right. Because people just like to create their little echo chambers. That's not me. The the 90 uh, percent of what I've learned through life is because someone had a differing opinion and they said, well, what do you think about this? Not well, you're stupid. You When you when you insult people, they shut down and they're done with you. That's just people skills 101, obviously. Right. But I've learned more from people that I disagree with. I love emails like this. Just saying, hey, look, explain this. Or have you looked at it from that angle? That's where you truly learn. Right. So let's kind of go back to what he asked. First of all, I covered that. I didn't I didn't say cash doesn't matter. Right. And and I'm again, he probably didn't mean it the way it sounded, but uh, I didn't say it didn't matter. I'm saying simply as a fan, all I care about is the cap hit and how it's allocated. If you're telling me that there's going to be a hundred million dollar cap hit on Aaron Rodgers next year. Yeah, I would be against that. And I'll be the first one to say it. That's not the case. So read the answer. I'm going to go to this first McAfee video. OK. And I've got it here. I'm going to share on the screen. I'm going to play a couple sound clips for you guys. And we're going to kind of walk back through how everything happened, right? And I think I've got it edited to where you don't hear any bad words. But, again, this comes courtesy of the Pat McAfee Show, one of my favorite shows. I absolutely love what they bring to the table because it's it's not censored. Although, you you know, I don't use bad language. I try not to, right? It's something that, it you know, it doesn't have anything to do with, with my faith or religion personally, it's just, it's ugly, it's unprofessional, it's rude. So I try not to use it. I think I've got this edited to where there's no bad words, but I'm going to be really, really cautious here. But let's let's go back to, this was uh, back in March when everything broke as far as the Aaron Rodgers contract. Let's see what was said here. And then we're going to listen to Ian Rappaport. We're going to hit on one other thing and then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. 
Who doesn't want to build a team? It's like, I guess 50 million a year was accurate because that is what he's being totaled over the first three years with the last two years there. But if that's how we're going to start reporting all contracts, like what's the actual contract as opposed to what's being written on paper as the contract so that they can do salary cap gymnastics, just let us know that that's what it's going to be going forward. I saw somebody else's deal uh, was announced on the ticker three years, 31 million. Then they put into parentheses, 20 million guaranteed. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that's interesting because how you're reporting Aaron's is three years, $150 million earning because that's not the actual deal. The actual deal is five years, $186 million, but the three for 150 fits the narrative that they were painting the entire time that Aaron came out and said publicly and via source says that it was false. Just very fascinating moving of goalposts happening, but I feel like everybody was potentially accurate and right. Everybody won, though. Yeah. I'm taking it on the shins, everybody's saying, oh, look at you, going to bat for this guy, you were wrong. Four years, 200, vastly different than five years, 186. Yeah. And especially when it comes to salary cap hit and narratives being painted that he was holding people hostage, whatever the case. All right, so we're going to stop it there. I'm afraid there's going to be language. They reported four years, two hundred million. It ended up being five years, one hundred and eighty million. And you're sitting there going, "No, Clayton, it was three years, one hundred and fifty." Because that's what's been rammed down your throat, guys. The contract is five years. The full contract is five years. There was a three-year extension. Now it's structured in a way that guarantees the Packers won't trade Aaron Rodgers, so he can retire as a Packer. He said over and over, "I want to retire as a Packer." And again, we're getting mad because he wants to retire as a Packer. One of the top three quarterbacks of all time is saying, man, I just want to end here. I love it here. And we're mad about it. How many times have we heard, I just don't understand why players got to, you know, got to leave the team. They they just take, you know, uh, they uh, prioritize money over everything else. And I love how he said, remember the narrative was painted that he's now the highest paid quarterback, right? But then Deshaun Watson is just kind of sitting in the background with all that guarantee. Was it 240-some million in guaranteed? Now, isn't it funny that we always mention, that's what Pat was saying, we always mention the contract is, you know, five years, 180 million with 150 guaranteed. That's usually how we report it. But the way they reported it was earnings because the media absolutely hates Aaron Rodgers. Now, in this case, now everybody who ran with it, that's what I mean by the media. In this case, Ian Rappaport got those numbers. Guys, that didn't come from the Packers, gang. Do you think the Packers wanted to tell their locker room, hey, look, we're, you know, we just gave uh, Aaron Rodgers a three year, $150 million extension, and, you know, he's worth $50 million. That raises the price on everything across the board, right? Like that, that's not how that works. Ian got this information from David Dunn in his camp, right? Now, originally, the numbers he got were, were wrong. He said four years, or he said, uh, was it three years? No, four years, 200 million, right? Not five years, 180 million, or whatever it was. So he's getting that information fed from them. Why? The agency wants to drive up the costs. They want everything to come across like, here's how much we got our player. Come, come to us and we'll get you the same money. It's an advertise. We see it every single year, but for whatever reason, it got reported different with Aaron Rodgers. Why? Exactly what the previous emailer talked about excuse my language but that damn vaccination that you can go back through the timeline guys and the rogers hate started when that happened period it, it isn't it amazing that 
I'm sitting here defending one saying, defending somebody saying everybody should be able to have the right to to whatever health care they want. Like they should be able to make the choice whether they have to get a vaccination or not, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. And the narrative was painted with you're killing people. This is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. All of these things, right? which have since been proven false, right? Now, isn't it funny, guys, I'm vaccinated. I don't shy away from that. I had a tough decision to make because in my house, we took in my wife's parents because her father was dealing with Agent Orange exposure from Vietnam, okay? He was, it led to dementia, Parkinson's, several other illnesses I ain't going to get into the details of. But we had to bring them in, okay? Her mom, the reason we had to bring them in was because her mom had a stroke. Her mom had a massive stroke, and she could no longer take care of her father. So we had to make the decision, look, we've worked our you-know-whats off to put ourselves in a position to help people and help family when we need to. That's the route we're going. So we welcome them into our home. I'm being told on one side that, hey, look, anyone who's got, you know, uh, any kind of serious illness, COVID really attacks them hard, Right. So I'm thinking, I cannot afford to bring that in here. So I went to people that I trusted in the medical community, people that have similar views that I do as far as why narratives are pushed out there or not pushed out there. And they convinced me that, hey, Clayton, look, this is safe, right? But it's not a slam dunk to everybody. If Aaron says he's got an allergy, who in the heck am I to say he doesn't have an allergy to the vaccine, Right. And I've really tried to stay away from this topic, but I want people to understand I am vaccinated. I had to make that decision. I would not let my wife get vaccinated until I did it because we didn't know. It wasn't even approved yet. It wasn't even approved to be rolled out. So this is like, ah. And when I went to Jessica, who was the good friend that I grew up with that works in the medical field, she's actually a flight nurse, excellent human being. Her, Her and her husband are just awesome, man. Absolutely awesome people. And I said, look, here's where I'm at. She said, Clayton, I understand your concern because they are pushing this thing hard. But every every bit of information that I have, I think you're good. She said, I'm getting vaccinated. Awesome. I'll get vaccinated. I say that because I'm not coming from an anti-vaxxer standpoint, guys. I'm coming from a standpoint of no one should be told that they have to get a shot if it's not affecting anyone else. Right. And that's where all this narrative started from that point forward. Because Aaron lied to the the, the golden uh, sacred media because he lied to him and said, I've been immunized. You know, what's crazy is all the reporter had to say was, what do you mean by immunized? Have you gotten the vaccine? At that point, he would have said no. And he would have caught all the heat that Kirk Cousins caught right on the front side. But because he duped the media, the, the sacred media, everybody converges on him. I don't care what anybody else does with their health, guys. That's That is their business period has nothing to do with me i'm not here to tell people what to do but that's when everything started okay so that video there pat mcafee kind of laid out okay here's here's how the media is reporting the contract and what the contract actually is well why are you reporting aaron's completely different nobody else's contract has been reported like that that's what's hilarious nobody wants to talk about that so let's go on to Ian Rappaport here. Here is Pat. He had Ian back on the show. They had some words on Twitter. Now he's back on the show. Again, this comes from uh, the Pat McAfee show back in March. And, uh, yeah, here you go. 
Speaking of pure joy, you had to feel pretty good uh, about your four-year, $200 million contract statement that inevitably became a five-year, $186 million deal. If you could watch Ian, Ian goes, yeah, like he's acknowledging it. He said it was four years, 200. It actually ended up being five years, 180 million. And Ian's kind of, they're, they're being sarcastic back and forth to each other. Again, Ian's in this spot where this came from Aaron Rodgers' agent to inflate the numbers, right? And Pat McAfee's coming from a standpoint of Aaron's pissed because you're reporting this like he, and, and this is exactly how the media did it. Like he was holding the Packers hostage. Ian never did it, but a lot of other reporters did. So Ian's going to take it on the chin here. It's for 150 million guaranteed. Your source told you that deal. Our source said that's not true. Our source then tweeted that's not true. Mm -hmm. It is kind of true though, I guess, because 50 million, uh, 150 guaranteed over the next three years. Are you going to start reporting all contracts like that? Like what the actual number is as opposed to the entire contract or just in this particular case? When you say your source then tweeted, are you saying that you're... Aaron Rodgers, because that's what it sounded like. No, 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 no. My source <laughs> says might have got on Twitter as well. You know what I mean? Maybe. Right. Other so that's why there's this tongue-in-cheek back and forth. They're both laughing. Pat McAfee got the information from Aaron who said, hey, guys, that's inaccurate, by the way. They're lying about that. And Ian Rappaport got the numbers that he was told to report from David Dunn, Aaron's agency. Okay? So – they're they're stuck. They're both stuck in this weird place where it's like, uh, yeah, I'm doing what his agent wanted me to do to inflate the numbers for the quarterback market over the across the entire National Football League, and at the same time, I ticked him off. So now Aaron's got to come back and tell Pat, no, that's inaccurate. Once you tweet this out, he did that evening and talked about it the next day on the show. Right? This is what I'm talking about. He was treated completely different for the reasons that I just talked about just a second ago. And that's because he bucked the system and lied to the media. If you want to call it lie or whatever, I, I personally think he lied. I'm one of these people that I will be over the top honest to the point that it'll tick people off because I what I don't want is for anyone to try to pretend like I was being dishonest. I hate a liar. I hate dishonesty. It drives me absolutely insane. There's no reason for it. Nothing good ever comes out of it. So I'm always going to err on the side of the caution. Of, Sorry I ticked you off, man, but that's the way I feel. That's just how I am. Right. And, that, and I, I love and respect people that do the same thing for me. It may make me mad, but at least I know where you stand. Right. So other people who are your sources also tweeted not to be confused with Aaron Rodgers, who did tweet also. Bingo. Yeah, please. Anonymity, please. And also my source says told me about Hecker potentially being released, <laughs> you know, in a couple of days. Yeah, sources are telling me that. Nonetheless, let's stay on track here with Aaron. Yeah. 150 so, million. You feel vindicated in this entire thing or no? I mean, I knew what the numbers were. I knew it was 50 a year. I knew that when I tweeted it, it was a basic agreement at four-year, $200 million extension. And then basically what they did the last week was kind of go back and tinker and change it a little bit. Um, I was very confident that it was going to be $50 million uh, per year. And it is over the first three years. It's actually more over the first two years uh, because it's $62 million per year over the two years of the extension. Uh, and you're right. Most contracts are not talked about like this. This is a little different because one of Aaron Rodgers' reaction to me having the numbers, which I get. Um, <laughs> but also, he's going to retire at some point during this deal, right? So the actual back-end numbers don't matter because he's not going to see them. Um, but I would say of all the things...
the back end numbers don't matter because he's not going to see them. Guys, they're dummy years on this contract. Things And yes, I did feel vindicated a little bit. But of all the things going on, the most important thing is that Rodgers gave like a real commitment. Like this is a real commitment to the Packers. We're not going to be doing this next year. Ooh, did you just hear that? We're not going to be doing this again next year. The Packers gave a real commitment. So why is Matt LaFleur doubling down that if Aaron wants to play, he's going to play? Why has Gutekunds not said a word? Why is Jordan Love kind of laying back in the shadows and not raising any stink that he wants to be the starter? Sounds to me like they all got together and said, here's the plan moving forward. And they either included Jordan Love and said, we're going to extend you rather than the fifth-year option, or they excluded Jordan Love, which tells me they don't think he's the quarterback of the future. Time will tell if he was. He may go on to be a elite Hall of Famer, and we'll all be like, God, I can't believe we let him walk, right? I hope that's not the case, but I think that's worth mentioning there. Interesting that you feel vindicated. I do as well. So I'm happy that both of us can feel. <laughs> a, little for, a little for each. And honestly, like when you have a source off, like you had a good source <laughs> and I had a good source. Uh, your source is throwing a lot of touchdowns. Plus that throw he had to Jared Cook. Was whoa, 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 whoa. Good, AJ. Enough with your source off talk. All right, go ahead, AJ, right, please. This part. Ian, so it's reported what um, $150 million over the first three years. What happens if Aaron retires after two years? If he retires after two years, then there's a significant salary cap hit. I think it is $70 million. I believe that's what my colleague Tom Pelissero had. <laughs> so what they do is they would basically sign him to a new extension for the minimum and spread out the cap hit over five years. And then at some point... Oh, how would you report that? How would you report that? So that's enough. Um, I want to point that out because you heard him say they could extend that over five years, right? They sign him to a new contract and then they could extend it over five years. Now, why is that important? I mentioned that same thing on Twitter. And one cap guru, self-proclaimed cap guru that will go unnamed, said they can't do that. That's impossible. Why is it impossible? They just did the same thing with Drew Brees. Why is that impossible? And then they revert back to there's no way they can get out of it. He's getting paid $50 million guaranteed every single year. Okay, dude. Believe what you want to believe. Where are you getting your info from? Do you have better sources <laughs> than Pat McAfee, which is Aaron Rodgers? Do you have better sources than Ian Rappaport has, which is David Dunn, Aaron's uh, Aaron's uh, agent? Where are you getting your info from that you're so confident? Well, I just know. Okay. All right. Got it. Have at it, hero. Right? So I'm going to play this, and then we're going to get out of here. Everyone acts like, not everyone, God, I got to quit saying that. So many people pretend like they understand everything about this contract, right? Did Ian sound like he's 100% sure on the info he had? It didn't to me. Pat McAfee darn sure didn't say, here's exactly how the contract's laid. His right-hand man, A.J. Hawk, had to ask Ian, what happens if he retires after the second year? And Ian says, it sounds like there's 70 million. It sounds like, it sounds like. Tom Pelissero said, told me it sounds like. Does that sound confident? Because it doesn't to me. He's saying there's 70 million that have to be spread out over five years. Okay. That's what they're 
sounds like, whatever that means. Okay. So if, if Ian doesn't know, and he talked to David Dunn, if Pat doesn't know, and he talked to Aaron Rodgers, if AJ doesn't know, and he's one of Aaron Rodgers' best friends, where are you getting your information from, man? You must have the golden goose over there, bro. Like you must be sitting in the ivory tower and have everybody scooped to be so confident in your numbers. So you're going, okay, well, that's the, let me give you two other, two other people that I respect very highly. One is our boy, Andrew Brandt. Okay. Andrew Brandt was a front office executive for the Green Bay Packers for, I think, almost two decades, if not two decades. Okay. Who do you think knows more? A guy who's been in the building working contracts, who worked Aaron Rodgers' contract. He worked A.J. Hawk's contract. He worked Brett Favre's contract. He was there when Brett left and went to New York. Who do you think knows more? That guy or the guy on Twitter claiming to be the uh, the cap guru? Explain that to me. I'm sorry, I'm siding with Andrew Brandt. Now, when it comes to current day contracts, who would you who would you believe? Who do you believe would be more informed, better informed, and know more about the contract? Russell Wilson's agent that just negotiated one of the most, one of if not the most expensive contracts in the history of the National Football League, or the guy on Twitter claiming to be a cap guru? I'm, I'll wait. I'll let you think about that for a second. This was on the Business of Sports podcast with Andrew Brandt, and he was interviewing Mark Rogers. Mark Rogers is Russell Wilson's agent, okay? And they they talk about the new contract that Russell Wilson signed, which, funny, isn't it? Looks like a horrible deal for the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson might be falling off the ledge. Russell Wilson doesn't have injuries to say, hey, here's why I'm playing bad. Could you imagine if Aaron Rodgers had zero injuries and he was playing as bad as Russell Wilson? But they signed him to a contract that wanted to take him up to the age of 40. Aaron basically came out and said, guys, look, I'm, I'm really just thinking about playing three more years. And they structured it in that fashion. This is what I mean when I say Aaron Rodgers' contract is team-friendly. Like, he, he didn't go after 100% guaranteed money like Deshaun Watson did, right? He didn't go after an extension to carry him to 40 years old, whether he decides to play or not. Like, you understand from a personal standpoint, he didn't have to tell them I'm planning on retiring in the next two to three years. He could have very well said, hey, I want to, I want, to be, I want the biggest deal in the NFL. And according to the Packers, they would have gave it to him because they were begging him to come back. No, instead he said, give me three years of security. I don't want to play beyond three years, and then we'll structure it in a way that we can push some of the bonus out. We reset the quarterback market like, like do David Dunn, right? And, Whenever I retire, you'll get some of that cap relief back, which I just read off to you guys. Next year, it'll be a $15 million cap hit. The year after that would be $24 million if he decides to retire this year. Guys, that is a team-friendly deal in today's market. I'm sorry. Now, if you want to go back to the, he's getting paid $50 million a year. Okay, die on that hill. I'm personally not because Ian isn't dying on that hill, is he? He's leaving that vague answer of eh, around or probably – and Pat McAfee isn't dying on that hill either. So here was on the Business of Sports podcast, Andrew Brandt talking to Mark Rogers, and this is what they said. I'm going to try to play it off my phone. Hopefully it's good enough quality you can hear it. A little bit of a different circumstance. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, Aaron Rodgers' situation, you know it well. Aaron Rodgers is, is – you talk about an outlier. That deal, that was an outlier. That, that yeah. That's you know incredibly instructive for a player that 
I don't know the I don't I didn't talk to David about it, David Dunn, about why he did what he did. I suspect, you know, Aaron had a pretty strong feeling about what he wanted and, and he got it and he's happy about it. Um, but that deal, you look at that deal and, you know, it's it, it, the argument, is it a one year deal? Is it a two year deal? Is it a is it a three year deal? It's certainly not a five year deal. There's two dummy years on there. Oh, it's certainly not a five year deal. There's some dummy years there. Is it a one year deal? Is it a two year deal? Is it a three year deal? Roll some money out, but um, I don't know what it is. I, I I don't. I think Aaron Rodgers and David Dunn know what it is. Yeah. And everybody else will be guessing for a while. Um, and you know, the Mahomes deal that we did was was. Let me go back. He did what he did. I suspect you know Aaron had a pretty strong feeling about what he wanted, and and he got it, and he's happy about it. Um, but that deal, you look at that deal, and you know, it's it, the argument: is it a one year deal? Is it a two year deal? Is it a is it a three year deal? It's certainly not a five year deal. There's two dummy years on there to roll some money out. But um, I don't know what it is. I, I I don't. I think Aaron Rodgers and David Dunn know what it is. Yeah. And everybody else will be guessing for a while. Uh, there you go. Two of the brightest minds in the business of sports: Andrew Brandt, a couple decades experience with the Packers. Mark Rogers just negotiated arguably the, the most expensive contract in NFL history. It's at least a top three, and they don't know what it is. And what do they say? Is it a one-year deal? Is it a two-year deal? Is it a three-year deal? I don't think anybody knows other than David Dunn and, of course, the Packers front office. So anybody who tells you they understand how this contract is structured is lying. And it's why I, re I referenced the emailer and I said, listen, if somebody says that, Ask them this question. Ask them this question verbatim. Are you 100% sure that is correct? It should be yes or no. And it's never a yes or no answer. And if they say yes, screenshot that for me, please, because we're going to revisit it here in a couple years, maybe even this offseason. Because, again, this was not a – I don't want to say – quote-unquote, team-friendly deal. But to pretend like Aaron Rodgers' goal was, I'm going to get every single dollar I can and screw the Packers is silly. You heard Mark Rodgers. Mark Rodgers says, you know, I, I don't know why David Dunn did the contract this way. He, he sounded kind of baffled, like, oh, this really hurts us because, man, Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, could have really set the market because he could have anywhere he would have went, right? So it's uh, It's interesting. And I'll be honest with you, man, I love this type of stuff. I love digging in. I've learned more about how the business of football operates just going back and forth on this Aaron Rodgers contract and reading the tea leaves, reading between the lines on how, okay, you know, how is this thing actually structured and what's the terminology used? Because we're stepping into this new age of the NFL where, and even college football with the new NIL stuff, that things are changing, guys. And this cash over cap is becoming more, more common, right? I personally wish that they would go back to the old way. But, guys, that's not the direction that, that the NFL is going. If you're going to compete, you've got to be willing to go cash over cap and do it in a way where you still prioritize draft picks because that's where teams are really screwing up is they're, they're not prioritizing draft picks and they're just going all in, all in, all in. And next thing you know, they fall on their face like, the Saints did, and like the Rams did, right? But what do the Packers do? They made 11 draft picks last year because they know they have to take multiple swings in the draft and have those minimum contracts, i.e. Zach Tom, Kingsley and Igbarre, 
right? Those type of guys that you hit on late in the draft and go, okay, this is someone who can contribute to our team on a minimum contract for two to three years because this new CBA is structured in a way that, to the best of my understanding, they can't even restructure their contract until the third year of the contract which means they can't come out after one year and go, okay, I want a new deal. They have to wait at least till year three, I believe. It might be year four, but I think it's year three, and I think that's important. Um, but you've got to be able to hit on those draft picks. So the Packers are approaching it from we need multiple draft picks every single year, and in order to keep certain players, we got to go cash over cap, right? And, again, I'm going to point out here, in the Packers' salary cap, um, 2022 is pretty much in the books. Now, they just, they just redone Dean Lowry's contract. And, uh, and did a, a new restructure. I think it was more along the lines of being able to spread some things out. It sounds like there's going to be a contract extension coming pretty soon. Now, maybe they're just getting you know, all their T's crossed and their I's dotted before the offseason starts. That could be the case as well. But there might be an extension coming for somebody, right? One thing's for sure, Aaron Rodgers' contract is going to get adjusted sooner, sooner or later, right? The question is, is he coming back next year, yes or no? That's what's going to determine a lot of what happens with the Packers. And, guys, the whole point of this is it's not the end of the world if Aaron Rodgers does come back or does leave. It, you know, Bill Belichick said it best. The, the reporters were, were asking him questions a couple of years ago about free agency because he went out and broke the bank in free agency. This was the year after Tom Brady kind of screwed him over and they were left with that huge cap hit, which is a big no-no in Robert Kraft's world and, and Bill Belichick's world. They came out the next year and spent a boatload of money in, in in free agency. And one of the reporters was asking Belichick, like, you know, are you concerned about your cap positioning? You know, next year you're, you know, you only got this much free cap. And, and the year after that, you've only got that much and, you know, this and that. And his response was, you guys worry more about the salary cap than I do. And he laughed. And he meant it because it's, it's a fact. It's a talking point. I get it. And it's a way to draw doom and gloom conclusions around a team that some people, and it's really opened my eyes this year, there are a lot of quote-unquote Packer fans that if you just look at their tweets, it's negative tweet, negative tweet, negative tweet, negative tweet. And I really question their fanhood. Remove Aaron Rodgers from the equation. Look at all of the negative in some people's Twitter feed. And it's like, do you really like this team? Or do you just like to complain about this team because it gets you likes, clicks, retweets, and reactions? I don't know, man. It's uh, I'm not going to live life miserable. Not going to do it. And there's a lot of Packer fans this year that are miserable because we're not winning. Guys, we're not going to win 13 games every single season. I thought we probably had a good shot at winning 13 games this year, and I was wrong. There's a lot of things that come into factor. The number one thing, though, players have underperformed. It's one of the reasons why people don't like PFF, in my opinion. They don't like PFF because – it's a source that you can go to and go, well, let's see how those players actually graded. Let's see how they perform based off what we think their assignment is. Understand? And they put right on the screen, guys, or on the front page. You can look up how they how their grading system works. They say, we understand that we might not know every little nuance to a scheme. We understand that in, in the headset of Quay Walker right before the ball snap, that Joe Barry may have said, hey, ignore the flat and focus on Hurts here. He, he may scramble. There's things like that that happen. Right. And they're acknowledging that, but they're saying based off of what we're watching on film and we grade every single play of the NFL season, we're going to try to give you an idea of how we think each each person performed. 
The reason people are so anti-PFF is because it removes the vagueness where they can argue. When I look at the Packers' PFF grades, I don't look at the PFF grades and go, wow, this coaching staff sucks. I look at the PFF grades and go, man, they really graded our safeties low, really low. They graded Quay Walker really low. Why is that? Let me, hark, let me go get my eyeballs on it and watch the tape. And I go back and watch the tape and I go, huh, they were right. Boy, that was that, – I don't care what the scheme was on that third and ten run that we broke down on Chalk Talk on first down. I don't care if it was a zero blitz called. That had nothing to do with the fact that three guys missed the tackle within the first down marker. Guys, that has nothing to do with coaching staff. That has nothing to do with scheme. I, one one person on Twitter, and and again, it's not. I'm not trying to bash them. I'm sure they're great people, um, and and I can't even remember right now specifically who it was, but they said. It's the coach's job to uh, to teach the fundamentals. It's the coach's job to make sure they're playing with high energy and effort. What are we talking about? You mean to tell me that it's Joe Barry's responsibility to go out and make sure that Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, and Quay Walker are playing with high effort? You mean to tell me it's his job or the, even the position coach, the janitor's job, whoever, These are professional athletes. You're talking about a six-year and a four-year veteran in the National Football League, and it's the coach's responsibility to go up to them and go, hey, guys, listen now. Listen to me. Listen, guys. Let's make sure we're playing with good effort on this play, okay? Can Can we give it our all? Get away from me with that crap. It's the coach's job to prepare the team from a schematic standpoint of here's what we've seen all week long. You've heard Aaron talk about it. You heard Pat talk about it. You heard AJ talk about it. You heard all these people that they're asked, why don't you get into coaching? It's because I don't want to spend 14 hours a day at the facility watching tape and and devising game plans. That's what the coaching staff does. They structure practices so they can focus on key things that the other team's going to be doing, and they try to prepare them. And, oh, let's not even mention, let's not even mention that the CBA collectively bargained an agreement to where there's going to be less hitting in practice and less tackling in training camp. Like, But it's the coach's fault. Guys, Joe Barry, in my opinion, is not getting it done. I get it. I'm not one that says he shouldn't be fired. I'm not on the train of he should be fired because I see if the players were all grading out well and it wasn't working, you go, you know what, man, they're doing everything they're asked to do and it's just not working. That would be on the coaching staff. But the fact that they're grading out so low and I turn around, I turn the tape on and I see time and time again people missing tackles. I see time and time again, you know, players dropping passes. I see the Kurt Warner video where the receivers ran the wrong routes. Three, three of the videos they showed Alan Lazard was on the field where he kept falling down, right? I see Aaron Rodgers throw a helmet, in, like literally peg a defender in the face with the helmet or in, in, in the helmet with the ball, and it gets picked off in the end zone. I seen him throw an interception uh, last Sunday night against Philly where he threw it right to the defender. Now, Kurt, Ben Kurt says that the tight end should have flattened the route off. Aaron kind of made me think that should have been the case too, but Aaron didn't say that. What Aaron say, the dude didn't make a great play. I threw the ball right to him. And he and what Aaron said was, now should I have thrown it to that guy? Probably not. I probably should have just airmailed it. To me, that says, okay, yeah, he probably was, was supposed to flatten that route off and he carried it on into the secondary a little too much, right? So with all that being said, Aaron Rodgers throwing interceptions, that's Matt LaFleur's fault. That's silly, guys. Aaron Rodgers is underperforming. Is it because of the injuries? Most likely. 
But there's a chance he he has dropped off. I get it. But I am not going to blame those interceptions on Matt LaFleur, right? Now, have I put blame on LaFleur for the scheme and the fact that they're playing such such t- they're coming out in such tight formations and teams are really keying in on the RPO and the mesh point of the RPO? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they seem to have adjusted. But I'm not putting Aaron Rodgers' bad play on Matt LaFleur. I'm not putting the wide receiver drops on Matt LaFleur. That's another thing. Well, they should be able to teach them how to catch. Guys, they've been learning how to catch since they were six years old. You're telling me that an NFL coach should be responsible for teaching a wide receiver how to catch when he's been doing this for 17 years or whatever it is? Like, come on, man. Again, it's not the coaches. It's not the players. It's not Goody. It's everything. There have been bad draft picks. There's been bad play on the field. And there's been bad schemes called at times. We gotta, we gotta get out of this. Let's all be negative, miserable, and it's gotta be one person's fault. It's gotta be one. It's Joe Barry needs to be fired. Like that's the other thing too. The argument, and I'm going long here, but I'm, I'm gonna wrap it up right now. The argument that well, Joe Barry's got him playing 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. I get that. I totally get it. It's frustrating. I watch it every Sunday too. I'm like, why? Why are they not being more aggressive? Are you telling me that on a third and ten? Joe Barry went to Jair Alexander and said, listen, Jai, here's the deal, man. Don't get beat deep, all right? I would rather you give up the first down than get beat deep. And in Jair's mind, it's, okay, I'm just going to give up a first down here. No, guys. There's keys in this defense. There's things that's put in place or structure in place that if Jair Alexander is supposed to be the deep third, but he's got, he's also got, you know, let's say the deep third on the left, right? You can't let that guy buy you. And, and that, that receiver or they have a combo where there's a flat or maybe a bubble or something short off the right side, and he doesn't react in time to make the tackle, that that's Joe Barry's fault, that is silly. And usually the argument is, we need to play more man coverage. Okay, now what you're saying is everything we've worked on all year, scrap it, we're just going to man coverage. There's not been a team in the history of the NFL do that because it's stupid. It is. It's stupid. Not trying to use that word, but it is. So, again, players – Coaches, GM, GM has made bad choices. Guys, I, I hate to break it to you, but Quay Walker's looking like a bad draft pick. It is what it is. I went back through my draft notes, and I had him graded out. I don't want to misquote. I think it was 56th best prospect. We took him in the first round, right? Now, understand that's not me evaluating talent. I take people that I trust that evaluates talent. Greg Cosell, um, several other people. Daniel Jeremiah, former a lot of people like to bash Daniel Jeremiah. It's like, okay, he was a scout in the NFL. What have you done? What what's your job? Oh, you've never worked for an NFL team. Gotcha. And I should trust you over Daniel Jeremiah. That's silly. Right? But they reached on him for the physical raw talent. It seems to have backfired, right? For whatever reason, Devontae Wyatt's been limited on snaps. I think Devontae Wyatt's going to be a great, a great player. He just I, I see the flashes there. Now it could be that they're trying to bring him along within the system. Maybe there's mental mistakes that you and I don't know about, all those things, but there have been mistakes. Eric Stokes looks like a mistake, guys, and it has nothing to do with the injury. Before the injury, he was playing like hot garbage, right? Um, Kevin King was a mistake, am I right? I know it was some time ago, but that was a mistake. Darnell Savage, I'm sorry, guys. First-round pick, you grading out in the 40s on PFF. I turn on the tape and you miss tackles every single play. Every single play, you're just being kind of playing in the middle. You're not really, you're not being aggressive, but you're not being conservative. You're just just enough out of the play to give up the play. Sorry, that's a missed pick. 
how many more first round picks do you want me to name off? You know, I, Jordan Love may be a slam dunk, and I hope he is, right? But too early to tell. So we covered a lot, and it's funny because I came up here thinking 40 minutes I'll be done. Here we are at an hour and 16 minutes. So appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Thank you to the emailers. You guys absolutely crushed it. Uh, Jonas uh, Gable and um, Chris Nichols, thank you so much for the email. Uh, such great insight. You got me thinking. I learned from the email. I learned through the research I had to do for the email. I thought we'd kind of go back down that road and just revisit, all right, what was actually said when the contract broke because that's getting brought back up. Again, if the emailer hadn't mentioned it, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have talked about it on the air because, you know, I love Ryan's approach and we've talked about it a lot. Um, nobody completely understands the contract, so why even talk about it, right? That's basically the conclusion we came up with. And that's why every time I talk about it, I always try to preface it with, listen, guys, nobody knows. Again, if Ian Rappaport doesn't know all the details, Tom Pelissero doesn't know all the details, A.J. Hawk doesn't know all the details, Pat McAfee doesn't know all the details, Mark Rogers, super agent, doesn't know all the details, Andrew Brandt, couple decades in NFL front office, more specifically the Packers front office doesn't know the details. Why are we pretending like we do, right? We don't. So only time will tell. And I think the number one thing I wanted to point out in all that response to the email is, please let's not forget Aaron Rodgers asked to be traded, right? And the Packers organization begged him to come back. Let's, let's not forget that. They begged him to come back. And the other thing, if if and when Aaron retires, if it's this year, next year, whenever, there is going to be cap hit involved. Nobody's ever denied that. But please don't buy into the doom and gloom that it's going to absolutely ruin this franchise because it's not the case. It is not the case at all. There's, there's going to be cap hit when he walks away. As we pointed out, there might be $15 million next year. Well, he was supposed to be on the book for $31. What's, you do the math. What's that free up? Still frees up significant amount of cap room, doesn't it? And the same thing goes with every contract along that organization. So hopefully this helped. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Man, like I said, we went long. I apologize, but uh, it was a lot of fun. So I appreciate you guys taking time out of your Thursday afternoon to hang out with us. It means the world to us. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and end it here. Hope you all have a great day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.